0: And some hockey podcast, and some hockey podcast, and some hockey podcast, and some hockey podcast, and some hockey podcast. It is
1: time, it is time for the hockey. With that. It's episode 72 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast here in desolate, rainy, dreary, cold, broken g- Portland,
0: Oregon. It's gray.
1: Yeah, this until is when,
0: July. <laughs> this is when the uh, seasonal affective disorder really starts to set in. It's like, ah, oh, sunlight, that's nice. I only get 20 more seconds of it. <laughs>
1: You watch Portlanders run out of their houses and apartments and just like strip down into their skivvies and they're like, ah, and then the cold gets them and they have to <laughs> quickly rustle the clothes back on.
0: Right. Your scheduled sunshine today will be from 3.30 to 4.20 p.m.
1: Give or take 50 minutes. <laughs> Last Saturday, the sunshine was showing and I know we're a hockey podcast, but First and foremost, I'm a Michigan Wolverine, and I just got to say, the sun was shining in Columbus, Ohio this weekend, (laughs) where the Michigan Wolverines beat the ever-living
0: shit out of the Ohio State Buckeyes. It was decisive. It was very decisive. And then they partied it up very well. They planted the flag on the Ohio O.
1: They slid around on the ice at Yost Ice Arena when they returned home.
0: Which is so funny, because, like okay <laughs> jim Harpa. he like comes out and he's like waving his whole team under the ice and you see the ref like no no go back get out of here. yeah and, and then these football players just coming in and-,
1: and jim's like nah this is
0: us sorry
1: <laughs> jj mccarthy walked over to eric portillo and like gave him a bro hug <laughs> in his crease <laughs> like you know the hockey team's just thinking
0: You know, we're really good, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these are things that you can get away with in college and maybe at the Arizona State slash Arizona Coyotes uh, rink, but uh, probably nowhere else in hockey.
1: Yeah, I don't see this
0: happening at Miami of Ohio anytime soon. (laughs) No, unlikely. Um, But yeah, go Michigan, boo Ohio State uh, for more reasons than just football. And for this Saturday only, fuck Purdue. (laughs) Uh, as us Illinois graduates like to say, per not Yeah. Isn't Perdue in
1: French to lose?
0: I think so. Yeah. And also to like, Purdue is American for making a bunch of money uh, selling opioids to people that are probably, you know, also addicted. Perfect.
1: Yeah. So, you know what? All around, you know what's stupid? Giant drums, engineering schools, and West <laughs> Lafayette, Indiana. <laughs> On top of Ohio State sucking at football, I mean they're only eleven and one and going to the Fiesta Bowl.
0: I mean that's uh, that's effective loserdom for Ohio State. Yeah, like that's what's so great is their butthole is so tight they lose two games or one game in a season and well it's over and time to tear the whole thing down. Ohio State also shitty to people <laughs> in hockey. It turns out this and this happened
1: a while ago but like didn't really receive a whole lot of traction
0: which is part of the
1: problem because part of the problem yes yeah
0: so ohio state player camille said Loka allegedly called jagger joshua on Michigan State a racial slur during the game and was overheard by a referee who immediately got in between them assessed a game misconduct penalty and sent camille said Loka now more sad than loca home and he got sent home he got from the team. Sent
1: home. He has not been kicked off the Sorry. team. Sorry. Yeah, I misspoke. Yeah, I think I think we can drop the allegedly here. Like he was assessed the penalty in the game. Like he he did this.
0: Right. And what's very kind of I don't know, funny, sad, telling is Ohio State immediately goes into like PR defense mode and just puts out these like verbal diarrhea press releases. Oh, you know, we decry this and, but also they kind of defend the guy saying, well, there's not a, uh, it's not caught on camera. You know, we don't have a recording of it. And so there's not definitive evidence. I mean, generally, at least in my refereeing experience, if the referee witnesses something and assesses a punishment, um, that's all you need. That's like the judge of the game, you know, they're who you have adjudicate the game. Like, who else do you need to hear it from that this guy said something distasteful and offensive? Like, it, it, I don't know. It's kind of amazing that Ohio State and the Big Ten have kind of buried this and forced Jagger Joshua and his brother to basically tweet the Big Ten control over their hockey league into oblivion
1: it's even more embarrassing because the big 10 then actually did an investigation you know scare quotes investigation and did not punish anybody further and it's like what the fuck are you doing
0: yeah I, i mean they did send this kid off the team and who knows what happens For team punishment, like maybe the Big Ten is saying, okay, he's being punished appropriately by the team. We don't need to level any additional things, but they're also kind of fumbling the ball and they're showing that, yeah, that 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 they like that they're kind of powerless. I guess powerless or just unwilling. And either way,
1: I mean, I know the Big Ten babies Ohio State in all facets of the game, but come the fuck on, man! Like this is this is a moment for you to step up and say, you know what? These are our values. This is the punishment. Mm -hmm. This is our statement. And
0: instead, they were just like, oh, no other, no further punishment at this time. Right. And like. And that's it. You could have just suspended him indefinitely for the rest of the year as that would be fucking performative, but also send a message. And they declined to even like send a message. Like, you know, just suspend him as long as the team suspends him. Like, you You still have some sort of ethical high ground then, but now we're just going to defer and pretend like this didn't happen. And also send these like weird mixed messages saying, well, we sort of don't think that this is that bad because we don't have definitive evidence and blah, 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 blah. blah. And it's like, come on, you guys. This is so fucking obvious. Stand by your referee. Like that's.
1: Definitely another thing. Like you're throwing your ref under the bus here.
0: Right. They talked about this on Puck Soup's. Like, oh, maybe they cornered this guy in a room and got him to say, well, maybe I didn't hear what I heard. But yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Like it's just it's it's a
1: dark stain all overall for the league for the Big Ten. Like you're the Big Ten hockey conference, but only like six of your members play hockey. Yeah. And you're trying to like grow this sport and you know, prove that you are yourself a a place where students or where parents want to send their children, but failing miserably. Like, that's that's mean, the other thing is like, he's a student athlete. He's not a paid professional. You can suspend him all you want. Exactly. There's no financial repercussions here. He's not getting paid to play college hockey. He's going to school. So you suspend him. He just stays at school,
0: and then he can play next year. Unlike the football team, he is there to play school.
1: Yeah, he he has to. Yeah. (laughs) Although, honestly, I think all the athletes at Ohio State are just just hanging out.
0: (laughs) Their hockey team's not good enough. I think he probably actually has to go to class. (laughs) Their women's hockey team is. (laughs) Yeah, sure. They are (laughs) very good, but I bet all of those women also go to class because their future is dependent on more than just their hockey skill, as opposed to like Michigan. Okay, uh sidebar. What would be the weirdest Big Ten school to add a hockey team to?
1: So we got Northwestern. That's in Chicago. They th- Illinois. I think it like my first guess is Iowa. I was gonna say
0: it's gotta be yeah. Iowa. That's so fucking Nebraska
1: funny. has uh Nebraska Omaha already has a team so mm-hmm. it's not unprecedented in that state.
0: But that's also Oh, wait, no, uh, the Alabama team. That's the really weird one. Alabama Huntsville and mm-hmm. Arizona state. Right. But I mean the, the Alabama Huntsville one, like there's a specific reason why they had a hockey team going back a long time and it has to do with, uh, the Manhattan project. Oh, you know that? No. The story. Yeah. So there, there's, a um, yeah, if I remember this correctly, they moved a bunch of people outside of Huntsville to a big base for operations. And a lot of them were either like Canadian or European or something. And so there was like a hockey culture that sort of started. And that's where uh this university hockey team comes from. Yeah. Oh, Arizona State, just a money grab. But yeah. uh you know Penn State money grab.
1: <laughs> to kind of put a close on this, like it's just It's an embarrassing black eye for the Big Ten conference. And, you know, as a conference that always talks about the biggest and best or brightest and best and whatever leaders and best, that's Michigan's fight song. So I guess that doesn't really apply here. (laughs) But like this is it's an embarrassment uh, for hockey, for the Big Ten. And, you know, it just goes to show how far we have to go in hockey culture mm-hmm. when a conference that is presumably not run by old hockey guys yeah comes to the same conclusion as a co- as the NHL which is run by old hockey
0: guys well surprise uh, old football guys and old hockey guys not all that different the commissioner's black <laughs> that's true but he has to answer to a bunch of very rich old football guys yeah i mean i I don't know if you saw the whole thing about like jerry jones coming out this week Um, now there's a photo of him uh in high school um as part of a band of guys trying to keep black students from integrating their high school oh um so you know like this shit is not old news (laughs) you know now he runs the dallas cowboys like yeah
1: all right, that's enough of this. Uh let's we don't intersperse mm-hmm. happy with the sad. We're just like let's get all the sad out of the way and then we'll do the happy later. And in this case, the sad is Borea Salming passed away uh, due to uh, complications with ALS this past week. Um Salming is is like the number one pioneer of European players playing in North America. He Was an absolute phenom on the ice. If you watch guys like Cal McCarr, guys like Eric Carlson and his prime, which happens to be this year, about more later, uh, (laughs) Salming is the archetype. Like Mm -hmm. he was a beautiful skater, great stick handler, uh, could take the puck end to end, seemingly whenever he wanted. But one of the qualities that allowed him to play in the NHL, which at the time was like a war zone, (laughs) you could uh, just
0: beat people at random.
1: Yeah, you you could probably have a gun, like (laughs) uh, like it was sitting on the bench next to your bottle of beef eater gin Uh, (laughs) and your pack of cigarettes. But Salman could also hold his own physically. Uh, he wasn't a tough guy by any stretch, but the fact that he could hold up and the fact that he could endure in the toughest league in the world, uh, really paved the way for not only just Swedish, but European players in general to come over and start playing in the, in the NHL. And by the time he finished his career, he was, or by the time he finished his career, Europeans, in the NHL was kind of a regular thing. and, For a guy who was one of the first European stars of the NHL, especially in a market like Toronto, uh, his passing leaves a a big hole in the hockey universe. You know, Nick Lidstrom was just recently named the best player in Swedish hockey history. Mm -hmm. Um, But Salming was the other defenseman on that team. Okay, And so on their like their starting lineup. Um, And so you you see like just how highly regarded he is in his homeland. Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs had just recently had a big thing for him. Mm -hmm. And this all kind of all of these things kind of just happened to happen. Unfortunately, right before Salming's passing, he didn't really know he had ALS until earlier this year. And it was a very quick decline for him. Um, Obviously, a tragic loss for the hockey world and more so for his family and loved ones. And, you know, we've unfortunately had to cover the passing of a number of legends in the game since we have started this podcast. And Salming is just right up there as like both from a skill, but also an influence like maybe one of the most influential players in NHL history, just in the fact that he opened the gates for Europe to come and play in the NHL.
0: Yeah. It was really nice that, you know, knowing that he was sick, uh, that they were, the Maple Leafs were able to bring him and some other big name stars to this, uh, hall of fame kind of ceremony that they had. And, uh, even, you know, crippled by ALS Uh, one of his compatriots was able to raise his hand for him and and he got a standing ovation and you know the fans got to send him off in a way that a lot of people don't get uh, late in life so that was very touching Uh, a testament to his toughness I think is amazing I mean the guy had like an absolute kind of grizzled hockey face and one of the ways that he got that was uh, he got his face stepped on by a skate <laughs> um, like it, there's pictures, gruesome pictures online of him getting like 200 stitches between his, like above his eyelid to the side of his mouth, uh, because someone sliced his face open with a fucking skate in the middle of a brawl. The guy was an absolute badass, and uh, he's got a really awesome statue in Toronto of him jumping over the boards. Um, Yeah, all the things you said, everybody loved him. It sucks to see him go, but he lived an amazing life, and uh, no doubt will be missed by many. Also in bad news, but uh, maybe sort of retribution-level bad news. Uh, Rachel Dory has filed a discrimination lawsuit uh, against the Vancouver Canucks and more directly against uh, Assistant General general Manager Amelie Castanguay. Um, The suit alleges that Dory was fired because of her sex as well as her mental and physical disabilities, which uh, were documented as a part of her workplace, and she just has some anxiety mental health issues, kind of -of run-of-the-mill things that... Well, she has PTSD. PTSD, and she just wanted some kind of basic, you know, accommodations in her job, and I think she was probably, I don't know, maybe given them for some portions of it, but like... So
1: in the release, in her filing, she says that she was entertaining offers from several NHL teams at the time, mm -hmm. and so part of the reason why she chose Vancouver was because that because they were very open about how they would do everything in their power to create an atmosphere and a work environment that would not trigger her physical and uh, mental disabilities. And
0: she probably saw, you know, Emily and other women get hired in the Vancouver front office and thought, okay, this is probably the safest space available. Well, turns out according to her, Emily went, full-on girl boss on her it's because women hate other women <laughs>
1: it's <laughs> like they can't see each other be happy
0: it does seem to be that way sometimes does it yeah i mean at least in this professional world or at least in the high yeah. pressure professional world of sports uh it does kind of seem like there is a lot of motivation for women to throw each other off out of the boat to save themselves in some ways yeah. um so, and notably, in this case, uh, Rachel was fired,
1: like, less than a month after she got, well, I guess it was, like, two months, but, like, two months after she got a promotion within, yeah. within the organization for being an incredibly good employee.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, in her suit, she details a lot of praise she got, and it turns out that the Canucks cause... According to her, was that uh, she contact or she had a off the record conversation with a friend in media about her promotion? Like it's like the Canucks fired someone for using LinkedIn. Yeah,
1: exactly. And she also posted the link or posted the story
0: about her her promotion in
1: her own, not the Canucks, in her own personal social media.
0: Right. Uh, uh, meanwhile, Mike Yeo, also on staff, uh did the same thing. Still employed. Yeah.
1: And the the crux of this is that in a meeting between Kassengay and Rachel Dory, Cassingay said that she didn't think that she had the aptitude to do the job mentally, which is not something you say to somebody who has a uh documented mental disability no not at all i also said that because of the fact that rachel had posted this article that talked about bruce boudreau praising her openly in an interview that rachel dory was not important enough to be cared about and no one in the media is your friend
0: yeah uh i mean sure it's important for sports people to Approach the media with caution and give them, you know, be judicious about what information that they give the media. But this is information about her fucking promotion. Nothing else. No, you know, practice shit. No, nothing about hockey. It's about her moving up in this organization to be a young woman where many young women don't get to go in hockey like this is you know at the time it was kind of an unquestionably cool thing and i mean i don't know smacks of fucking jealousy to me like emily's like ah, i gotta sit around stinky old jim rutherford all day and you get to hang out with the players and boost boudreaux fuck you like i don't (laughs) know
1: yeah like there is there's definitely some like Cattiness involved here, and of course, uh, casting Gay and uh, Bruce Alvin, the the GM, categorically deny that this happened. Um, of course, that, yeah, of course. And so, you know, this is a matter for the courts, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, one, I think it just goes to show that all of the rumors that came out that you know, and some of which we reported here uh about the reasons for Rachel Dory's firing were wildly speculative and completely wrong. And yeah, two, she did not
0: touch Brock Besser's lesbian mom hair.
1: <laughs> and two, you know, we really while like a vast majority of the shit that goes on that's bad in hockey is from old hockey dudes. Apparently like not so old hockey women are kind of awful too. Yeah. And it, well, it just shows that the culture is so omnipresent mm -hmm. that you don't even realize you're participating in the culture sometimes.
0: Yeah. Misogyny can be perpetrated by women and often is. Um, Yeah. Are, are you a pro-life woman? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully, you know, Rachel gets what she needs out of this lawsuit. This is a smart play. I think on her behalf, uh, she has, she's been pretty mum until this came out and, you know, hopefully she has a, still has a future in hockey, but it seems maybe like that. I don't know. That might be unlikely. Uh, I hope that this isn't, you know, a completely burned bridge in the NHL, because as you said, she did have other teams that wanted her services, but, uh, yeah, uh, come if what she says is true. This is pretty heinous. Yeah. So, hopefully, how does she feel about Metro Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that could be fun. I I think
1: you know I from the reports that we got from everybody involved with the team and the very obvious step of her getting a promotion six months into be into working for the company or and for then, the for the team and then getting fired
0: weeks after
1: getting this promotion right like but like all of the writing suggests that she was awesome at her job yeah or at (laughs) least competent enough yeah and so hopefully you know but like the interview that bruce boudreau gave where he, like, spouted how awesome she was, was at a golf outing. Yeah. Like, it's not like he was at a press conference and was like, oh, and we've got Rachel Dory here. No, he was at a golf outing having fun and was like, oh, yeah, we've got this person, Rachel Dory, who's absolutely killing it. In fact, we just gave her a promotion. And it's like... somebody who's doing that well for Bruce Boudreaux like he didn't even swear in the middle of it <laughs> like and that's kind of his thing he probably actually
0: did they just <laughs> cut yeah, it out did. like yeah it's just there's it just a thing where some effective editing yeah editing. well, he, anytime he drops f-bombs it just gets like deleted <laughs> he's on a five second delay yeah uh, and so
1: like hopefully there is a future out there in the hockey world should she want it should uh, Rachel want it um, you know, we're as a podcast 100% in her corner, and you know, in the corner of anybody who you know just gets like so maliciously uh treated in this kind of fashion, so.
0: yeah. And not only you know, did the Canucks fire her and whatnot, but she really got dragged through it by fans that like a sounded like they wanted her to fail, and b wanted to. An example of how women are, according to them, not right for hockey. Are you you saying that hockey fans
1: were upset that women were succeeding in their sport?
0: Yes. Dude. I know. Crazy, right? Never. Never. Hockey fans? I know. And and hockey media? Saying awful things about women in hockey? No. Who would have thought?
1: I... I... I need to, like, reconsider
0: some things now. <laughs> this is blowing my mind. Um, someone else that is going through a tough time that we extend our condolences and well wishes to is Chris Letang, who is out uh, indefinitely after suffering a stroke. Um, the second of his career.
1: He had another one in 2014. Really? And was out for two months, so. Oh, he was
0: only out for two months after that?
1: Yeah, and... Yeah. Uh,
0: time to trade for him in fantasy
1: by uh all accounts he's doing well uh mm-hmm. he's suffering no side effects um but i mean in 2014 he was what 28 or yeah, so
0: and now he's 35
1: yeah so he i my guess would be he's out for a little bit longer than that just due to the the F- being further down the age path.
0: Sure, give me um, 4 beers at 28 versus 4 beers at 35. I'm out even, longer.
1: I don't even want 4 beers at 38. I'm like, shut up. Uh, I
0: the, can I like 4 beers. <laughs> like, give me give me 12 beers.
1: Um and then I die. <laughs> um yeah, so this is I mean awful for Chris Latang, but thankfully not well, not thankfully, but thankfully he does have some experience in battling back from this. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a a new path that he has to walk on. Uh, the, this is, these, uh, strokes are caused by, he has a a hole in the linings of his heart. Oh, so, um, you know, this is just something that comes with that and also playing any sport at the high level that he does.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I have friends that have had strokes, at you know in their 20s and 30s um like from like getting hit by a car or like one had one like after a really tough swedish massage like it wow strokes in young people aren't necessarily as uncommon as one might think um
1: but those people aren't playing in the nhl and making millions of dollars so not that's not to like dismiss or your friends it's just to say like this is right a very different circumstance like one you have somebody who is incredibly physically fit like at the level where he can play nhl hockey games mm-hmm. but also that physical fitness is what is relied upon for him to in, to continue doing his job so
0: well and a stroke is not necessarily you know, any sort of indictment on somebody's physical fitness, like it it happens to the fittest of people. And obviously someone around him or he himself, uh, is well-versed in identifying the signs of a stroke. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, let's go over right now. Uh, the acronym for, uh, identifying the signs of a stroke is F A S T be fast, uh, face arms, speech, and time is how you identify a stroke. Uh, so, Often someone will have uh, per- uh, something happen to their face. They can't move far of their face. They'll have balance issues. They'll, their eyes, uh, you know, may roll or be blurred or lose vision. Um, they'll experience weakness or pain in one arm. And maybe weakness uh, shows if you raise your arm, one might drop down. Uh, and then often speech is slurred, and that's maybe the most identifiable identifiable sign um obviously i'm having a stroke not to be confused with just the times when you've been
1: given four beers
0: yes not to be confused with that um so yeah our hearts go out to chris hopefully he can battle back from this quickly and safely and resume what is probably a hall of fame career
1: oh absolutely and a hall of fame career he's got what three cups and playing at an extremely high level mm-hmm. yeah he's going to the hall possibly going to the hall mm-hmm. eric carlson
0: yeah he's uh making his case seem more and more ironclad as this season goes on because well he is on a roll before this season
1: would you have put him in the same category as a PK Subban as somebody who was incredibly good for a, maybe not super long moment in time.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe his moment was a little bit longer and he was a little bit better. But,
1: yeah. Oh yeah. I uh, mean, Carlson was the best defenseman in the league for probably three years.
0: Yeah. It it just seems like he has finally gotten fully healthy and must be i don't know in the best shape of his life or something because he is putting up goals and points at an insane rate and like single-handedly keeping san jose out of the bedard sweepstakes so uh it might actually be in that's why they want to trade him really right i was gonna say he might be getting himself out of town because all of a sudden his $12 million contract looks uh, more and more swallowable palatable. Yeah. Uh, if maybe they can retain some money, um, because they got to get rid of him. They got to get rid of this dude.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's got two Norrises and so Carlson was probably a hall of famer already. Yeah. As two well. Norris's
0: I think puts um, you in there, but like,
1: two Norrises and I think he was top two twice, two more times. Um, uh, yeah. He's, he's turning in a, uh, a, you know, turnaround performance uh, from last year. I think he's already almost to his point total from last year. Yeah. Um, uh, in half as many
0: games. He has <clears throat> 32 points in 25 games this year.
1: Yeah. And he hasn't, that honestly would put him on pace for his, his best season ever uh i think his best point total ever was 82 points in a full season so a point per game so he's ahead of his best pace ever uh you know the the asterisk here is how long does he stay healthy right Mm -hmm. like um he hasn't played over 56 games in a season for like four years right um but i also think part of what we're seeing is he's carrying an increased workload now that uh brent burns is gone Mm -hmm. and that kind of gives him like there's no shared time on the power play anymore it's his you know it it gives him more freelance to do what he's gonna do Mm -hmm. and you know maybe his uh maybe his legs have finally like actually healed you know they haven't been to the playoffs for a couple of years in a row four years like since he got there almost
0: yeah i mean he was playing for ottawa five years ago when he suffered that really bad injury yeah um so maybe he's just finally turned it around physically that's kind of what it seems like but mike greer better hurry up and trade this dude before he turns into a pumpkin
1: yeah and get a haul for him they're probably gonna have to retain some salary but honestly even if you retain like three million a year that's still like eight million a year off your books or whatever it is so yeah (laughs) a haul meaning future considerations if you only get future considerations for eric fucking carlson then you have uh but the money but the contract you you lose (laughs) you lose that deal anyway uh yeah good job eric carlson we always knew you had it and no, we didn't
0: know <laughs> i mean it's definitely a totally positive. it's a positive surprise it's like the one thing that sharks fans have to hang their hat on this season which is like okay that's fun you Eric have a,
1: carlson's not dead you have a
0: defenseman that is laying down goals and assists at a historic level like that that's pretty cool even in a lost season um yeah he's
1: making cal mccarr look like well still like calmacar but like
0: <laughs> yeah but what if eric carlson comes back from the dead to win the norris this year that would be awesome it would be wild it would be wild you know what else is wild uh the fact that matt murray can't stop punting nets off of their posts it's happened now 3 times in one game and then another time another night and like it's pretty obvious that some of them are Probably intentional. A couple of them, obvious accidents. And maybe there's something defective with the net. Um, But he did it, I believe, in two different stadiums. So all the nets are defective.
1: (laughs) Chris Osgood used to get accused of this occasionally. And I believe he got penalized for it a couple of times in his career. Just like, you know, delay a game penalties or whatever.
0: Yeah, there have been uh, several instances where goalies have, I mean, just completely and totally purposefully unmoored the net and suffer the consequences. Um, this is a little bit more, I don't know, clandestine, but also more apparent because he's done it so many times now in the past couple weeks. And, uh, it's definitely become a kind of like a deflate gate scenario. Like, Oh, you're cheating, but maybe not really, but, uh, and, I don't know. I there it's a little bit of a tricky situation cuz we don't you know, we're not on the ice, we're not the goalie, so we can The goalie. <laughs> we can't ascertain his real intent, but uh some of them looked suspicious. Yeah, I mean,
1: honestly, it's gamesmanship mm-hmm. in my book. Like it's not like he's betting on games
0: or anything. Right. Like, it's it's a professional hockey kind of yeah. bullshit move. Um, is it lame as hell? Yes. Is it Bush league? Yeah. (laughs) But whatever (laughs) you drop kick the side of the net every time your team turns the puck over in your own zone. Yeah. That's fairly obvious. You know, who could probably do to play better is, uh, Cal Peterson who got, if he uh, gets another chance. Yeah. Got summarily waived by the Kings. Um, I mean, waived probably with the purpose of sending him to the AHL, but, uh, Sending him a message. Yeah. The 28 year old was sent packing after he gave up four goals in 16 shots in relief of Jonathan Quick, who also gave up four goals, um, or maybe five goals. Yeah. Uh, in this insane Kraken King game we watched last night, which was like a roller hockey score. It was eight <laughs> to eight going into overtime and then Kraken took it with an Andre Burakovsky goal in overtime. Um, that was crazy. Defense optional.
1: Anytime uh, an NHL game decides to directly follow the score from our Monday roller hockey game, <laughs> you know that defense is optional and probably goaltending.
0: Yeah, uh, ain't nobody played good defense or goalie last night. That it was crazy. Yeah, I, I
1: was watching the Wings game tonight and. Steve Eiser they interviewed Steve Eiserman on TNT uh, during the intermission. And Eiserman made a really good point, and I think you're really seeing kind of the fruits of it right now. You know, with 32 teams in the league, that's 64 goalies. And are there really 64 NHL-caliber goalies out there?
0: Uh, Survey no. says no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – Some teams don't even have one. The Kings don't have one. Chicago, they don't have one. Uh,
1: The Red Wings finally got one. Yeah. Yeah. Like every team in the league is hunting for goalie help Mm -hmm. outside of like New York and I
0: mean, New York, Tampa. And Shusterkin has not been playing well recently. So, like, but he's still, he's still omg igor right sure like, yeah it just
1: even the best goalies can be slumpy yeah this year it's like connor Hellebuck for, for
0: yeah fesna yeah and uh competing against martin jones who has the kraken playing really well and uh he has usurped philip grubauer as the starter um martin jones who I mean, I think anytime we've talked about him previously in this podcast, it was to make fun of Martin Jones. I'm still going to <laughs> right. Uh But they've won. They've won six, six in, in a row one. and 11 Eight. out of their last 13. So, I mean, and, and Jones has backstopped almost all of those games. Father
1: time, like turned his steely gaze away from Martin Jones for a minute. And he's playing like it's, 2014 again, which means the Kraken will make the playoffs and immediately he'll fall apart. <laughs> but see I told you we are going to still make fun of Martin Jones. Of course. Um but I I feel like the Kraken are one of the best like most feel good stories of the season, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, they were so bad last year. Yeah. So bad. And you know, got themselves uh Shane Wright, which Early returns are not great, but they're very early returns.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he is super young.
1: And it was not considered. There weren't any can, like no miss prospects in this year's draft. So no. like whatever.
0: But they have Maddie Beniers.
1: Yeah. And so everybody, us included, really maligned Ron Francis and the leadership team out there. Um, and, you know we're still only like a quarter of the way through the season. So let's not like slob on their knobs just yet. (laughs) But the early returns this year are that they had a good plan and they executed it. And are they still missing that, you know, high end talent that teams that do well in the playoffs have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love Andre Burakovsky, but he's probably not a first line winger on a Stanley cup winning team. Right. Right
0: no probably not but it, he'll probably be a first line winger on a playoff team
1: yeah it's looking it's definitely looking that way this year um and i'll I, like i'll be very happy if the the second pacific northwest team usurps the first pacific northwest <laughs> team this year um which is looking like it's definitely going to happen because the Canucks are still pretty bad i mean they've they've been better as of late but they're still pretty bad mm mm-hmm this uh, but yeah this is one of the the feel-good stories of the season like the the kraken aren't terrible in fact they're pretty solid and you know cool i you know i think they're they're like second in the west right now yeah uh largely because i think a couple were a couple of teams have started poorly that we weren't like the abs and the wild have Mm -hmm. started poorly and we wouldn't have really expected that uh also the Oilers and the Flames. So,
0: yeah, but I mean, the Kraken's wins of late have come over some good teams. I mean, they've beaten Vegas, they've beaten New York. Uh they lost to Minnesota and Winnipeg. They've also beaten Pittsburgh twice. Um so, you know, are they for real? Maybe their Corsi numbers are still not great. Um They're not possessing very well, but if you get good goaltending, anything is possible.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure we'll see some regression to the mean here Mm -hmm. uh, as the season goes on. Uh, As you noted, goaltending is a finicky devil. And Mm -hmm. uh, while, you know, we're certainly enjoying the Martin Jones renaissance,
0: (laughs) uh, hopefully it lasts at least a couple months longer. Just
1: long enough to get them into the playoffs. That would that be That would great. be fun. That it would be, be great to it, just
0: get second year playoff hockey into this barn. That would be a huge win for them. They're going to probably do what Buffalo can't and have the young kind of money puck squad make the playoffs. Uh,
1: I mean... <laughs> Buffalo's still like 23 million under the cap so they
0: can take eric carlson i i i
1: I don't know if that's the best (laughs) best representation but yeah the kraken are really good this year it's uh it's awesome to see and we'll see if it continues also in uh teams that are good uh fucking boston
0: yeah holy shit
1: the and we're not talking in like a geriatric league uh (laughs) on like the north side of boston we're talking about like the actual nhl team the boston bruins
0: featuring some sort of geriatric league players very good yeah (laughs) david creche just came back from the geriatric league
1: yeah he was like i you know what after like being very good in this this Chechen league Ah, fuck it. I'll give it another shot. Turns out I don't like Europe all that much. (laughs) It turns out I I wanted smog and people giving me the finger. (laughs) Yeah. Until they realize I'm David Krejci. And they're like, (laughs) ah, this fucking guy. (laughs) That is not an attempt at a Boston accent, by the way. Um, No, but
0: the vibe is right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Bruins are really fucking good. Um, Kudos, I guess, to their fucking GM for getting this one right. Don Sweeney fucked up everything else this year, but...
0: <laughs> but he successfully got the band back together, and now they're playing the Bruins version of the Chicago Bulls' last dance.
1: They are... It's like every night somebody's asking them to play Freebird and they're like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Let's give them what they want.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're playing so well, Taylor Hall's, like, happy to be sent down to the third line. He... Uh,
1: I think he had two goals last night. What yeah, because
0: uh, Taylor Hall on the third line is a fucking cheat code. That's yeah, like that's amazing. Yeah, like you're he, like, oh, you want to put your third defensive pairing out against these guys? <laughs> <laughs> and they've been doing it without Marshand and uh, McAvoy. McAvoy for the most of it. Like, yeah, you get back two of your like four best
1: players, and yeah, it oh, turns out you're better, and you're <laughs> what like nine
0: and one <laughs> in your last 10 games or some shit. Yeah. So now you said what they're 13 and two. They're 19 and three, 19 and three. Sorry. Numbers. Yeah. They, well, they were, I, they were 12 and two. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Uh, 19 and three setting, uh, historical record for, I think most consecutive home wins to start a season. Something like that. Like they have
1: the, they have the best goal differential in the league. Uh, They have only given up 48 goals all season uh, in 22 games. That's stupid. Uh, And that's with Jeremy Swayman not playing very well. Yeah. And Linus Allmark being like, no, no, I got this. Don't worry, guys. Remember when all y'all said I was overpaid? Turns out not. Yeah. Turns out still really good.
0: Yeah. Boston fans must just be eating this up. Uh, Good for them. Yeah. the highlights have been really cool. Like there was that one highlight of their passing plays are just mean. Yeah. And there was a one highlight I'm thinking, of, I think it was like Pasta and Bergeron like passing the puck in air to each other and like tipping it down to yeah. to themselves and like uh, absolutely choice highlights. So kudos to them. It I try and do that and I hit
1: myself in the foot with my stick. <laughs> like wrong puck. Oops. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no the the it's it's awesome to watch. Uh, like on the other end of that spectrum is the Devils, who are incredibly young mm-hmm. and are also just flying. I think they have the same amount of points, but like a couple more games played than than Boston.
0: Yeah, the crazy thing about the Devils is their possession numbers. Their their Corsi numbers are in like the absolutely untouchable category i think that's a cheat code uh, that speaking of cheat codes yeah i think they're like above 65 or something or like 70 yeah like possession they're they are possessing the puck and taking 70 percent of the shots or something like that that's ridiculous yeah
1: and honestly maybe my favorite team to watch this season are the
0: devils yeah because they are all just wheeling and dealing they're absurd and like jack hughes hasn't been taking the full star turn that people yeah. thought he might this year but he's still been good he it, just hasn't been they haven't needed him to yeah they the, nico heeshire is really kind of the motor of that team it seems like yeah I
1: mean, well they've got heeshire and jesper bratt jack yeah. hughes and like yeah. and this is with andre palat just like on ir and Mackenzie blackwood like they're they're doing this with their second and third string goalies Um. Actually, they're doing this with their third and fourth string goalies because
0: their goalies don't need to do anything. They're possessing the puck at such a ridiculous rate.
1: Yeah, but like, Bernier's on long term injured reserve. Mackenzie Blackwood's hurt, so it's like Vitek Vanacek, Nico Dawes, and Akira Schmid are their goalies. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, right. Like, and Vanacek turns out both of the goalies that washington gave up on last year are good uh <laughs> their, their goalie is smee yeah <laughs> or schmeagle actually i prefer smee that's better <laughs> uh hook is so good and you know their kids too right like their average age of their forward group is like 24 years old that's that's ridiculous, and that's with like Eric Halla and Tomasz Tatar on that team. Like their average forward age is so stupidly young.
0: Okay, so they're yeah, their five on five expected goals for has returned to Earth somewhat. Around Halloween, it was at it was at like sixty seven percent.
1: That's un- unspeakably high.
0: It is now down to like sixty one percent, which is still. Absurdly high. That's like, sub superhuman. Like How a, dare they? Like a very good team is like 55. Yeah. That's crazy. Bougie Hamilton is doing a good job. Oh, he's
1: having a fucking blast this year. He's, he's having
0: a night at the museum.
1: <laughs> he has every night at the museum if he wants. Uh, but on the flip side to good, we got Tankathon. <laughs> Bad. Bad. uh <laughs> Chicago. Mm. Bad. Bad. Uh Philly.
0: Bad. Bad, yeah. And uh, I mean they've finally been both been bad after they started, like, as a fake 500 team, both of them. I mean, wasn't Philly, like, one of the four undefeated teams a couple weeks into the season?
1: Philly was, uh like, first in the East for a little bit there. They were flying. Right. And, <laughs> and Flyers flying. <laughs> I hate myself and I want to die.
0: Um You know who else hates themselves and wants to die is John Tortorella, who... uh yeah, even when they were doing well, he was like, this ain't gonna last. And yeah, well, he was right.
1: Yeah, well, they're banged up right now. JVR is hurt, Connect Me's hurt. Uh, they've, uh, I mean, Tony D'Angelo's there, so <laughs> yeah, um, that's, and that's a bummer. He got it, he got his face mashed by Oliver Wallstrom
0: the other night. That I was, was pretty hoping, great. I was hoping we could talk about this. I mean, who. Who better to mash his face in than the human brat stall, Oliver Wallstrom? <laughs> I uh I
1: jokingly, but only half jokingly joked about awarding mm-hmm. uh Oliver Wallstrom a point in fantasy based one point per face punch on, <laughs> on Tony <laughs> D'Angelo. Yeah. Uh and I would have done it, except it would have set a precedent where I had to do it all season. <laughs> right. I, I
0: love stupid prop things in fantasy, but we'll have to find some way to incorporate, like, I don't know. Tony h- D'Angelo hits, hits on Tony punches. D'Angelo. <laughs> then I'd have
1: to watch, like, every Philly game, too.
0: No, that's a stat. Fantrax has it.
1: Oh, good. Good deal. Um, yeah, Fantrax has everything in terms
0: <laughs> of that. But yeah, uh, Oliver Wallstrom... Looks like a character from an early two thousands sitcom, like The OC. Like he dun, has dun, dun,
1: dun, 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 dun. he has dun, Nick dun, Lachey dun, 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 dun. hair,
0: but now yeah, right in twenty twenty two. Yeah, he's not an LFO. <laughs> he's he likes girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> well, I mean, actually,
1: I I don't know if I've ever dated somebody who wore Abercrombie and Fitch.
0: Abercrombie and Fitch is uh, they're they're on a on a comeback they Uh, make
1: they make uh nhl jackets
0: yeah and and they make uh, cargo shorts which are having a having a comeback too Uh, apparently dirtbag chic is in these days remember when i mean you're a couple years younger than me so like when we were in like elementary
1: school junior high somewhere Mm -hmm. in that era where like if you wore abercrombie you were fucking cool
0: oh yeah i was i was crazy about like the brands I didn't have and like it, 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 it was like I found this moment and just woke up in middle school somewhere it was like oh everyone is that is cool has this thing that I don't and I like I started to be able to like look at the back tag and tell if it was like real Abercrombie or like a fake like it was man how sad are the people who had fake Abercrombie yeah for real i mean what they're probably still wearing fake abercrombie. what's sadder fake abercrombie or real postal touche touche <laughs> uh you know i mean as kind of solidly middle middle class i was like an american eagle kid we couldn't afford abercrombie and frankly i was too fat to fit into abercrombie uh or look good in it um but i you're s- never
1: too fat it's you can always get it over your head. It's like what you look like in it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh when when you're chunky, muscle tea doesn't look good. Muscle tea's with suggestive sayings. Like I, I, I did at some point then like have some Abercrombie shirts and I think I prized them like they were fucking Armani suits. But uh You like took them to the dry cleaners yeah.
1: <laughs> as like a fourteen
0: year old. Yeah, and one was like it was like a cocaine joke and sex joke about like a snow plowing business or something. <laughs> it's like, uh, sounds about right. Yeah. I plow your mom's snow or something. I don't like, it, not very veiled, but I just yeah. remember, yeah, Abercrombie was a fucking moment, but also, so apparently the, the, uh hot summer wedding dress this year was, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch.
1: Mm. Did it come with cargo shorts?
0: No, it was kind of, classic uh Britta got one um thinking she was gonna wear it to the wedding um it has like kind of big shoulders and then kind of a low neck very busty yeah uh, for them titties yeah, yeah for them titties so so, I, so we're fans mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah Abercrombie
1: so uh <laughs> speaking of Abercrombie uh Arizona is also bad uh <laughs> like part of me is like okay i'm gonna to have to cut this and part of me is like this is actually kind of funny uh, we'll see how it goes on rerun yeah uh arizona sucks too but only because one they want
0: to and two they've played like four home games i feel so bad for them like they're basically traveling salesmen right this now. is their new normal they're living the life of george clooney from up in the air It's all because
1: they can't play weekend games because the Arizona State Sun Devils
0: hockey team is playing on weekends. (laughs) Which like that's gotta suck as a professional to be beholden to a college in such a way. But then when you are actually at home, apparently it rocks. Apparently it's just full of drunk college kids and they get really good vibes and, and it's fun. So maybe they get to play at home again and enjoy it but this has got to be a super bleak season for those players yeah i mean there are reports that their new stadium project is moving so that's at least there's supposed to be a vote here this week i believe
1: on whether or not they're going to move it forward and the fact that they're doing it in tempe who housing them right now Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool too like fuck glendale (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) you want to
1: build a stadium in mesa eat my ass
0: I would probably rather be in Tempe than Mesa. I mean, oh, I, like, oh,
1: hands down, yeah. Mesa is rough.
0: Yeah, my grandma used to live in Mesa, and it is 95% mobile home parks. I've been to Phoenix twice,
1: and both times it was like, oh, we're in Mesa. How did you know? I know.
0: They're like nice mobile home parks, sort of. Uh-huh. Some of them, yeah. But, uh, yeah. it uh, It's not where you go to retire. It's where you go to retire and die. <laughs> it's where you to go to retire from retirement. And then... So below Chicago, Philly, and Arizona somehow is Anaheim. I mean, there's it there's like a 50-foot pile of shit between them, and then there's Anaheim. Anaheim is somehow uniquely pathetic this year. Speaking of where you go to die, that's where John Klingberg went to die. Apparently. Um, and I mean So much poor, for betting on yourself. Poor John Gibson decided to turn into a pumpkin the one year, I did not draft him in fantasy hockey. I'm so glad about that. He, but uh, uh, they need to get rid of him and just like yeah. let him go.
1: Try and resuscitate his, you know, emotional uh, standing.
0: Somewhere Which else. I'm sure he's going to be a buy low for somebody at the deadline. Like that's maybe one of the few pieces they have to trade now. Uh, after they got rid of. Josh Manson and uh, they have
1: like Cam Fowler and yeah, I mean, Adam Henrique and uh, Kevin mm Shattenkirk. Um, yeah, those guys. Um, but yeah, I there's not a lot left to siphon off
0: there. And I mean, Trevor Zegras is holding their fans' attention with amazing goals and uh, you know crazy highlights but the crazy stat to me is between the start of the league year what like october 13th something like that and november 23rd they have yet to win a game or until november 23rd they had yet to win a game in regulation all of their wins were an overtime or shootout
1: that's that's bad
0: that is that is uniquely a, a bad u- yeah unique kind of pathetic and so they are in pole position for the Connor bedard sweepstakes
1: yeah, they it's they have such a ridiculously young team as well. Like, it, well, let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. They have a ridiculously young team, except for a bunch of people who they're about to try and trade at the deadline. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, but I mean, they also didn't have room for like Sonny Milano either. So uh, no, they did. They just didn't want him. <laughs> and you can sort of see why. But he's definitely also a talented young goal scorer so i don't know if you're a rebuild i feel like that's a kid you kind of want to keep around just to see where he goes but I don't, maybe they trust just
1: pat verbeek man pat verbeek yeah put work in in tampa and detroit mm-hmm. and losing him actually was really bad for the red wings rebuild honestly um but at the same time I, I I trust him in his ability to kind of rate young players effectively.
0: So. Yeah, agreed. Um Anyways. So, going from Tankathon to human tanks. <laughs> that was uh that's good. Pat Maroon got fat shamed by yet another person again, but uh a little bit differently this time. I mean, you know, he We've heard clips of him getting made fun of on the ice and stuff, and he's very affable and and whatnot, but uh, Jack Edwards of NESN, the uh, Boston Bruins commentator who may or may not be drunk at any given time when he's on air, um, went a step too far and said things that are maybe like appropriate for this podcast, but not appropriate for an on-air presentation Well, we don't have standards. Right. We have neither access nor standards. He has uh, ostensibly, well, he should have both, but I don't know, maybe not so much in the standards category these days.
1: I, I have a hard time believing that he has standards because, like, he is one half of the worst commentator team in the
0: NHL. They're bad in that they're just, like, unabashed homers and, like... I kind of enjoy their banter because it is sort of like a podcast at times. Even Boston fans are like, "Eh." right? They don't like him that much. Same, but yeah, his his comments were uh, talking about Maroon's weight and saying that two thirty eight. Well, it's probably not that anymore. And uh, because he's it's something about pizzas, eating whole
1: pizzas, and yeah.
0: And then then he said like. Oh, he's, he's fasting, you know, going four hours without a meal is intermittent fasting. And it's like, that's a normal amount of time between meals for yeah. a human being. Uh, it, that's, that's eight o'clock to noon. So that's breakfast to lunch. Yeah, um,
1: And everybody has a snack between their noon lunch and their like seven o'clock dinner or whatever. Yeah. I mean, in context, it was you know, not horrible,
0: but like douchey oh absolutely just totally douchey (laughs) and uh, which is par for the course for jack edwards absolutely i mean i'm sure that's why the people who like him like him so you know what pat maroon of many jet skis and several stanley cups did is he He bought another jet ski no no i mean maybe we don't know that but uh he took the high road um he tweeted that he was Sending $2,000 to Tampa Bay Thrives, which is a nonprofit that sports people who struggle with mental health and substance abuse issues. And uh, seems like maybe Jack Edwards could use some of their services. Maybe
1: Tampa Bay Thrives used that money to buy a jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, $2,000. Everybody used jet ski. Yeah what better to help with mental health and substance abuse issues than a jet ski? Probably counseling and like real therapy and so, But like outside of the things that everybody
0: should be doing who suffers from those maladies,
1: having a jet ski is way up there.
0: Yeah, I, I think that there's some amount of therapy that is accomplished by just riding a jet ski I mean, at full you, fucking speed across a lake in the middle of the summer. My My
1: best friend growing up his parents lived in this cool house in uh, the, like the downtown area of a small Midwestern city. And they bought a house on the lake. And I was like, Oh, this sucks. I loved their old house. I'm never going to like the new house. What? You got a jet ski. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can have a lot of fun and cause a lot of mischief on a jet ski. So uh Yeah all in on pat maroon's jet ski lifestyle tampa bay is the perfect place for him for that um but this is like pat maroon is not famous for but has a history of going back and forth with various media personalities and just like jokers online Mm -hmm. and in this case he was like nah fuck it you know what i'm gonna do something for the greater good and you know immediately uh, Steven Samkos retweeted it and he donated as well. And it kind of created as a lot of these things do when athletes or famous folks donate to a cause. A lot of people are like, you know what? I've got some change laying around. Fuck it. I'm going to donate too. So there was a nice little surge in donations to Tampa Bay thrives because of this. And uh, all because of, you know, some douche hole in the, <laughs> in the Northeast decided to like, flexes douchehole
0: muscles uh, um, you, how are you not using the term mass hole right now that's how i want to that's what i want to know i'm embarrassed for myself but yeah pat maroon did what jack edwards was obviously unable to do and read the room showed some decency <laughs> and uh you know even frank Saravelli like said what everyone has been thinking about jack edwards for years and says you actually sound drunk.
1: (laughs) Which, I mean, if you've watched a Red Wings broadcast and listened to Mickey Redmond, kind of
0: similar. Oh, absolutely. Mickey
1: Mickey Redmond has to refer to adult beverages as ginger ales now (laughs) because he used to talk too much about drinking on air. That's super funny. (laughs) He's the best. I fucking love Mickey Redmond.
0: Yeah, the color commentary across the NHL is pretty hit or miss sometimes but it's really very funny even when it's awful sometimes yeah. and uh those two are maybe some of the principal uh mickey redmond's the best in the biz i fucking love <laughs> that guy i am partial to eddie old weird like horse racing comments yeah in the middle of the game you get the odds on like the
1: kentucky yeah. derby and you're like all right um sure Eddie. <laughs> well, that's it for us tonight. We thank you all for participating in this wild ride that is the Handsome Hockey Podcast. We, you know, we're having a fun time humming along, singing a song and dancing a little jig. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm going to leave this in because it's completely absurd, but I mean,
0: it, we can dance a jig if need be. That that
1: uh... uh I'm not Irish, despite the red beard. Well, formerly red beard now white beard
0: it's it's cinnamon and sugar is what i call it that's your pirate name cinnamon and sugar beard that's
1: that pirate name would get your ass beat that's
0: you'd, sort you'd, of the
1: idea you'd get knifed like <laughs> for fun some be like who's that guy over there with the swagger they'd be like that's cinnamon and sugar beard and they're like yeah i'm gonna knife that bitch
0: <laughs> well if you want to knife us you can find us on the internet at handsomehockey.com we are at handsome hockey podcast on the Instagram at handsome hockey on Twitter until Elon bans us Uh handsome hockey at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook page coincidentally called handsome hockey.
1: The knife us comment was metaphorical. Um, yeah, please don't yeah, actually please knife us. do not knife us. We're uh, people kind of like us. And if you like people would be sad, my mom would be so sad
0: if you have to keep it to like two or three inch
1: blade. Like, or like... Like a letter opener. Or like Jake and the Neverland Pirate sword. Like, <laughs> that'd be better.
0: Use one of those costume swords that like
1: collapses. Yeah. Like it might it might hurt, but like it won't actually stab me. That would be the best. All right. Take care, everybody. Fuck me. I can't. I'm just...
0: Uh, you just I'm don't want it to that. end.
1: I just don't... <laughs> I can't even sing tonight. Today is the worst day ever. Anyways, stay handsome, everybody.
0: Reste beau. Tout le monde.